Hi, hi, so fam, here we are yet again for another fresh episode of Ceremony Circle Podcast. For anyone new to the show, I am your host, shaman and best-selling author, Allison Charles, and I'm super excited for you to get to meet a dear friend of mine today. His name is Samson Odusanya, a husband, father, guide, facilitator, medicine man, and whoever he's needed to be in the moment for people to remember their own power, create harmony and wholeness within themselves. And in our chat, the energies flowed us right into the topic of healthily learning how to unlock and transmute stuck anger or rage energies. It's something I've been in a process of for a while, and it's definitely also been some of the deepest and most powerful work for both Samson and myself. So we share with you examples of how we were guided and let ourselves lean into this work and some key takeaways from our personal experiences that can hopefully be of service for you. We also cover benefits of breath work, details of Samson's recent return from the Amazon jungles where he was immersed in a dieta, a plant spirit sacred immersion where he worked with a curandero to develop a relationship with the plant spirit and receive its healing benefits, messages, transmissions, and more. And perhaps my favorite part of our time together is Samson very vulnerably sharing about his connection with great spirit, Father Sky, what he had been noticing about his gap in that connection, and what his time in the jungles profoundly revealed to him about that that's forever changed his life. We also chat various archetypes like the rescuer mask, being a healer in the modern world and knowing when and when not to use a title for your work and how to healthily examine what's truly aligned for you around all of that, and just overall exploration and curiosity why we both value these as main themes of life so much. And for our closing ceremony circle immersion, Samson guides us in a practice called What's Alive for Me? So let us flow into this divine river now. Take off the masks, letting the medicine of anger guide you to full expression and liberation. With medicine man and guide, Samson Odusanya. Samson. All right. Here we grow. Here we are. <laughs> so happy to have you in our home. Thanks yeah. for coming over. Happy to be here. It's beautiful. Thank you. You're my you're my first interview that I'm doing in the new house, actually. Oh, wow. Just dawned on me. What an honor. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Since you're one of our Austin friends, you were privy to the inside scoop mm. of the initiatory journey of us renovating and arriving to this sacred space. And that was one of the interesting things that revealed to me when I would tune in, like, why are there so many deep mm. teachings? Like, why is this such a fiery process, especially for Luke over that year and a half? And it kept taking me back to our original intention of having this be like a really pure, true mm. healing sanctuary of a home. And there was just so much that needed to move and needed mm. to clear. But here we are. Does it feel good in here? It feels amazing. Yeah, I think you guys when you guys were explaining not the process of what it was it would take to like put it together but your vision i was inspired by just hearing the vision and to walk in here like to feel the vision is awesome so i'm really excited for you guys to begin to be grounded in your home because mm. that's a very important part of just our lives is just to have a home so yeah 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 cuz there's not that many folks who you know would see us over the course of that time 
pretty regularly and get the updated doses and then to now sit here. So it makes me feel really happy that you feel the embodiment Mm -hmm. of the intention. Yeah, it's beautiful in here. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And in terms of the home piece, it kind of ties into some of the potential beginning places that I wanted to chat with you because I was feeling... And that whole year and a half that Luke and I lived here, but we weren't able to be in our home, Mm. that coupled with where I was being led by spirit to take my life and my life experiences, wanting to start a family, allowing just a lot of really massive tectonic plates within me to completely move Mm. and allow me to be super, super different and the way my life functions to be super different. And that guidance coupled with having to live in that temporary apartment Mm. and not able to fully put the roots in, it Mm. was very clashing strong systems. Mm. So it was very tumultuous time for me. And what I've noticed since moving in and the two months or whatever, since we've been in here, wow. In terms (laughs) of Mm. now I was already in such safe space with him, Luke, for everyone listening, my husband, I'm pointing to Luke's office, but I forget. Oh yeah, we have a whole audience listening that's not <laughs> sitting in the living room with us. It's so in such sacred space with Luke in our relationship container. But now that I have that on top of this safe, mm. sacred space of the home, I am noticing that it's allowing my soul mm. to go to some really extreme catalytic purgy transformational places because I don't think I've ever been, I know I have not ever been in more of a safe, sacred space Mm -hmm. than I am now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love that you're starting to feel and notice that as it does come down to safety, essentially. So you can, one, when you're in a, like you mentioned, like a temporary space, there is this sense of unknown and this sense of ungroundedness and unsettledness and disharmony that you feel that won't allow you to like fully like emerge or fully let go or fully purge. And like the home represents, you know, the grounds where you can truly plant your roots for that. So mm-hmm. yeah, when I say I'm happy for you too, like I'm happy even to that extent as well, because I can feel what can come after that. Yeah. And I, when I was reading up and doing a little research on you somewhere, I came across, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know where I found this, but somewhere it said mm. that you at one point had a lot of suppressed anger, mm. resentment, guilt, shame, disconnection from relationship with your own soul, your own self. Mm. But this theme of like suppressed anger, especially mm. anger, rage, and shame, those are three mm super potent portals that have been the ones that have surfaced and allowed for Mm. me to work with in a most powerful way since we moved in here. And yeah, I'm still very much in in processing and integrating and connecting the dots. So it's like, I'm not fully in a place to speak coherently on all of that's come up yet, but I'm just, I've known this, but I wanted us to dive into the importance of like what type of environment or practices or rituals can someone try to lean into, even if you're someone who thinks, I don't have any anger inside of me? (laughs) This entire topic is very nuanced 
and it's nuanced because I'm one that believes that there isn't one size that fits all. And I think there gets to be a time where there's actually a conversation for that, just, you know, that is completely different from the one that's public right now, that status quo, like these, you know, like one system that wants to fit everybody or this one style, this one way that needs to fit everybody. And I think the conversation gets to move in a different direction and honors each individual and honors each individual's uniqueness. So to answer that question, I think the first thing is to be aware and acknowledge that we do as human beings have the capacity to feel these things. Mm -hmm. What I noticed, especially in my experience, was that because I didn't have environments growing up that allowed me to, one, express those emotions and feel them, because I had environments that unconsciously had me demonize these emotions or judge them as bad or wrong, mm -hmm. often created this separation, this distance, this disassociation from what was natural to me as a human being. So I would suppress it because of the fear of how someone would see me if I allowed myself to be angry. Yes. Okay. Are you able to hold the line of where you're taking this conversation if you pause right <laughs> yes, here? Yes, absolutely. Because, okay, this is such a bullseye mm. of a, I want this nucleus of a bullseye to blossom a little bit. And again, I agree, infinitely nuanced mm -hmm. in this topic that we're on. So with everyone listening, understanding that we understand this is super nuanced, I still just want to say like yeah. there feels like something so important right now that's unlocking and opening up and unearthing where we humans, I just felt my whole body twitch mm. as I'm saying this, is this unlocking even more inside of me. Yes, this freaking thing along the way that if you have an outburst yep. or allow yourself as a human that came here to experience the mm. full spectrum of human earthly emotions, which rage and anger are on that full spectrum, yeah. but yet somewhere along the way they got demonized and I still to this day... No, no matter how many years and all these practices and living in devotion to the path that I do, I still observe within myself yeah. when I have a strong reaction, the tendency to want to dip into like a shame spiral. And Luke and I thank yeah. God for our dynamic where I'm able to then say that yep. after I have a ragey fire mm -hmm. that needs to move through mm -hmm. and I know I'm in a safe space to allow it mm -hmm. and he knows how I'm going to handle it. Mm -hmm. Even if it is a ragey fire, he knows mm -hmm. I'm not going to go off the rails because I know how to be right. the observer and the whole thing. So right. again, these are the nuances. And then he's able to say to me, you know, there's no need to go into the shame. And yet it's such... It a is. dance. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a it's an interesting paradox because th there isn't when it comes to this. I feel like every moment that we get to experience these type of emotions is new, is unknown. Yeah. So, oftentimes there's this need or habit to want to carry an old way of processing into a new field or new environment of this expression of emotion that probably won't help. Something that helps me a lot though is witnessing my daughter. Right, every moment she has an outburst, right? It's new. And for me, what we've learned with my wife and I is to just be a loving witness to whatever shows up, to be a loving witness to her wildness. Yeah. 
And I think that's another conversation we get to have as a collective is the remembrance of our wildness in a civilized society. Yes, yes. Yeah, and there's also that duality within the exact experience too. Is like, thank God, again, due to the years of walking this path and trusting myself and knowing myself, I think that's what is creating the space for me to let these waves of rage be expressed because I also there's going to be some sort of civilized nature yes. to the wildness. And I would love, I don't know if you have any perspectives, mm. and I'm not trying to put pressure on you because I'm the woman asking this <laughs> woman-based question, but it's yeah. like, I feel like especially for women, you are naughty, naughty, mm. naughty, naughty. You are a bad, crazy bitch if you let anger be expressed. Mm. I'm so tired of mm. any woman that expresses any level of rage or anger where we seemed historically to be classified as like crazy yeah, or bad. Yeah. I mean, I don't know where and how it started, but I can definitely notice the hindrance and the suppression of the authentic nature and, if you will, the parallels of the chaos that we'd see in Mother Nature and also in relation to women, Right. And I think there, there hasn't been the permission that one, women have given themselves because of this pressure, need to fit into a box for them to allow what's meant to come out. But simultaneously, I also feel there's this lack of knowledge or experience in how to do it in a healthy way, right? So there's, there is the nuance. There's the paradox and there's the duality of like, yes, express your rage and anger, But oftentimes, I think the fear that's come with having to contain that is because it's been done in an unhealthy way and it's caused harm and damage. So now I feel like there gets to be the permission to allow that to happen, but now finding a way to channel it in a healthy way that doesn't cause harm to self and other people around. Yeah, because that's absolutely key. If we, and this is what I feel is part of what's happening, we are arriving to this time where it's time for us to get in healthier relation with our full wild ways, returning to rewilding and getting back into healthier connection to the rage and anger pieces. But yet as Mm-hmm. You just spoke of, we have been in such disconnection yeah. to healthily relating to those emotions for so long. There is a sense, of, a bit of foreign, yes. a foreign sense to it. And so, I mean, I know we're obviously just, obviously just talking this out in real time yeah, yeah, yeah. together, but, and, and I know everyone is different, but I'm just wondering, is anything coming up for you? Like if people are listening and are, they're like, something's percolating within mm-hmm. them and maybe there's a layer of stagnated rage within them mm-hmm. that's like dislodging just a little bit and wants to be expressed. Mm-hmm. I wonder, are there, is there an example or two of some starting point? Yeah. The first thing is if you have access or resources to anyone per se, I mean, you could go the professional route or anyone that could be in a space that just holds the position of a loving witness without judgment, right? That, that, that can protect the environment so whatever is meant to be expressed, that's one route to go. Mm-hmm. The second is take an inventory, right? And as you were speaking, I kind of got this image of Mother Nature, right? Like if we go into nature, not here, but more into the wild, 
it may seem very wild, but there is some sort of structure to it. There's mm -hmm. a rhythm to the wildness. There's seasons, there's cycles to the wildness, right? And I think the image that I got was the honoring of the wildness within the cycles, within the rhythm. So I think it takes a certain level of awareness to be present to what's percolating. It's yeah. like, okay, what is percolating and where is it percolating? And then being able to just ask certain questions, like what do I need in this moment? Are there tears that I need to cry? Are there screams that I haven't screamed that I need to express? Do I need to move? Do I need to shake? Do I need to just, you know, do I need to just get it out? And if that's something that is an immediate response to what you need to do, the first thing I'd recommend is making sure that you're in a position where you're not hurting yourself. That's the first thing. It's like, okay, what I'm feeling or what I need to do or what I need to get out, can I do it in a healthy and safe way that doesn't cause harm to me and harm to other people? Is there a process in the form of movement, right? In the form of somatic expression, in the form of writing, is there something that I can do to get me back to homeostasis and harmony with myself that has also given me the permission to allow what is percolating in me that I haven't to be expressed. Yeah. I, yeah. I just think it's a, why it's so nuanced because everybody is different and it takes a certain level of inventory to be able to be curious. I was going to say investigate, but it takes really like subtle curiosity, right? To just pay attention and invest attention without the need to fix it. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that's a thing too. There's a part of us, right? I think the thing doesn't want to be fixed. It wants to be honored. Yeah. 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 It keeps taking me to, for any regular listeners, you've heard me say this phrase now a lot, <laughs> but I, it's just two words and it's my favorite phrase. It's in relation, mm -hmm. in relation. And like, what does that being in healthy relation Yes. To the rage and anger, you know, yeah, what does that look like? What can that look like? And for me, this example's coming in and I'm not, because it's a fresher process and ceremonial immersion that I was called into, I'm still I'm still in it, but I'm sure I'll speak in more detail to it at some, sometime soon. But we share a lot of medicine and mm. teachings through just storytelling here on Ceremony Circle. And mm. so I'm just going to share this brief one of how I could sense for anyone that listened to my episode with conscious kink guide and sexological body worker, former professional dominatrix, Rena Trevi. When I met her, if you listen to that episode, I tell the story of how we were both at the same photo studio mm. taking pictures separately for our business and brands. And I just like, there was something as soon as mm. I looked at her. And then when I got to chat with her briefly, I could tell how embodied she was. I made mm. note. I was like, there's something here. Then the download. And I was taking my time. So like this current, mm. this curiosity current was percolating from the time we were in the same space. And I just stayed with it, right? Mm. I wasn't forcing anything, wasn't pressuring to, to fix or to whatever, mm. sort anything out. I was just allowing the current to inform me. And I stayed curious. Then I got the download months later, that dominatrix, that Russian dominatrix, <laughs> it's time to, to interview her. Mm. Then in sitting with her for two and a half hours one day, it's one of my favorite episodes. I was like a little kid. I was <laughs> like, tell me about this. And tell me about that. Like all of these wild experiences yeah. she's had. And then the next layer of the current revealed, I'm supposed to work with this woman. Mm. Then 
the next layer was like sitting with that. Okay, she shared with me about shibari, the ancient Japanese art of rope bondage. Mm. Is it that? She shared with me about yoni massage, sexological body work. Mm. Is it that? She shared, I mean, she does a lot of different things. So then I sat with that and stayed curious. And then, and I'm sure Luke would be fine with me sharing this, we invited her over just to talk. So we went up in our ceremony space. It was just the three of us. And she just kind of mediated as Luke and I both shared, because we could feel there was just like this unearthing and unlocking of a new world for he and I in the theme of intimacy, sensuality, sexuality. Mm -hmm. So we just talked things out, gave her our history. Both of us, it's pretty traumatic sexually for both. And then in that discussion, it revealed... I'm supposed to have a yoni massage with her. Mm. Then I'm like, okay, oh shit. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And then I got it scheduled. And then, I mean, you know how this work is. When you make that date to go to the Amazon, when you make that date for that yoni massage. That's when it starts. Oh boy, did it start. That's when it starts. Oof, man, with the waves, the layers, the Mm. dream time stuff. I mean... It was just coming in full force. So I Mm. knew this was huge. I was onto something big. And then I went, I showed up, I kept leaning in the the morning before the session. Mm. Oh my God. The waves were so potent and strong. I was in that period of questioning. Mm. You know, some ceremonies are so strong. You're like, am I making the right move here? It was that intense. And then deep down, soul was like, yes, hold the course, hold the line. Mm. But it was like purgy status. And then I went and what ended up happening, and yes, I'm sure I'll bring Rena back and we'll get into all the details. But long story short, what I thought was Mm. old energies that needed to be extracted and released from my vagina what I thought it was like other people's old stuck energies. Mm. And what revealed was that it was anger and rage Mm. and shame and Mm. self-judgment. Those were some of the four main portals that in this five-hour session. Wow. Yeah. I mean, just so much. I'm still, like even Mm. last night, today, I'm there's still stuff coming up in relation with felt talked to you know released still very much in the Mm -hmm. journey but you know i guess that's just one example when you start to sense that there's some deep work you're being called into and just letting yourself be consciously aware to the however subtle realm of guidance that's coming in and then just staying with it you know, from the time I met her till the time I actually had the yoni massage with her, I mean, it was many months, you know, and sometimes it's a shorter duration. But maybe as I'm telling that story, there's potential light bulbs going off for people of like, you know, somewhere right. they can land it. Right, right. No, that's powerful. And I, I love how you allowed yourself to be led by by that God wink in a sense. And you may not have felt the immediate response of anger, but the tap on the shoulder got you to take this step, that got you to take this step, that got you to take this step that eventually had you had that experience. I think what's also powerful about that for those who are listening is because of how we relate to these certain emotions, if anger might have showed up first, you may not have answered. Yeah, that's very true. Right? So it needed another way to get you in to eventually get to a process that 
you probably had no idea was connected to your anger. Mm-hmm. Like if you were to think of the yoni massage and anger, like it's they're not. It doesn't seem remotely close to each other. Any similarities, but it, that was probably what you needed to get to this result. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, yeah I had to kind of chuckle. Hmm. Chuckle, such a funny word. Um, <laughs> had to do a little chuckling. Uh, that, yeah, I mean, I was clear in the mm. sense that there was old energy mm-hmm. that was ready to mm. release, but the fact that it ended up being my own and it wasn't pertaining to my ex who was a sex addict or any other foreign, you know, partners or whatever, uh, known, unknown, you know, just right. from his whatever. Um, yeah, it was, mm. it continues to be, I'm so grateful. It's for sure, even though I'm still in it, I can already clearly say it's some of, if not the most powerful work. Mm. It's up there with like all the years of focused uh, shadow work Yeah, that I was in for a very long time by myself. But yeah, yeah. So Anything else with you, whether it's an example or a story in your own journey of how you worked with, like, did anger present and Mm. then you knew you needed to go there? Or were you led somewhere similarly to me? And then you realized, oh, wow, I've got a, I've got a lot of anger releasing to do. Yeah. Sort of similar. It wasn't something that I felt was, you know, like it if you fill up a balloon to capacity, then it pops. I didn't feel like I was getting ready to pop, but I felt there was definitely energies percolating that was hindering my fullest expression, Mm -hmm. having me second guess myself, having me hesitate in my life. I think for me, I got to a point where I I read the books I was supposed to read, attended the seminars I was supposed to attend. And I started like checking the boxes when it came to processes and certain things. I got to do the work at looking back now at the level of my mind. It was very mindset driven. It was very heady. And even though those things helped, I moved forward in my life in you know some regard, there were still energies that I felt in my body. And I wasn't present to them because there was so much energy in my head, right? And the first thing I would say, so I went to a seminar that I realized that had a lot of tears on back order. Right. And I, I remember building a relationship with my tears that was not connected to judgment or judging myself for crying, quote unquote, as a man. Right. Because, you know, I'd get in trouble as a little kid and then I'd get disciplined as a little kid. And then while I was disciplined, right, I'd be told, stop crying. So there are many layers that just compounded over time to where I had this relationship to me crying and it being wrong. So when I finally like allowed myself to do that, it was like, you know, a lever releasing some of the pressure. And then, like I said, read the books, attended the seminars. And then the very next thing that showed up in my space, I felt like these things are being led to me. It's funny, we were just talking about her, um, a friend that I was just talking about. She invited me to a breathwork session. Mm. This was a little over eight years ago. Her brother-in-law was leading it. And for me, by nature, I'm open. I trusted her. I trusted the impact she had in my life. I trusted where I was at and the work that I was committed to. So I went. It was in Santa Monica. And I remember about an hour after the session, everybody had already gotten up from their experience. And this is what I was told. And I remember it like vividly right now. I come up gasping for air. Like I like jumped out of my experience. 
And I literally say, what the F was that? <laughs> right? I had not felt, seen, heard, experienced, released, let go of anything like that in my life. And it was one of the first experiences that got me really connected to my body. It was quite interesting for me because, again, I explored with more curiosity about like how I was able to do that with my breath. That was the biggest thing that, that really took over me was how the heck was I able to have that sort of experience with my breath. So that was one of the first signs of realizing I still had some unresolved things that I had not met yet within myself. At that time, I'd already been working on the relationship with my mother and my father. You know, like I said, it was very mental and mindset driven. So when I thought I had forgiven, and I have a different relationship with forgiveness, but what I, what I thought I had done in relation to forgiveness around my mother and my father, I realized it was only one level. It's very surface. I had still been holding on to things, right, in relation to my parents, because when they would call, I'd feel this jolt in my body. When they would, when I had time to have a certain conversation, I'd feel this tightness in my chest. Like my body would respond still to this idea, right, around the thought that I forgave my parents or I forgave myself in relation to my parents. So I knew there was still a lot more stuff to be done. But the breath was the f one of the first gateways to help me realize there was a lot more things I was carrying. In relation to anger, what I thought was me being calm, right? Me mm. being measured was me actually suppressing, right? What needed to come out. Yeah. So for a lot of, for a lot of my experience in my life and, you know, a lot of my friends and my family, I was seen as the measured one. Mm. I was seen as the calm one. I was seen as the mediator. I was seen as the one that would put out the fires. But Meantime, the fire inside <laughs> of you is ready to rip right. It is, yes. Oh, boy. Yes. Interesting. And, yeah, meanwhile, um, the fires in me were raging. They were going crazy. Mm. And I realized there was a mask of a rescuer I was wearing. Oh, do I know the rescuer mm. mask? Okay. So for me, I hmm. my ego found a home in being the person to put out the fires, being the person who was measured and calm and being seen in this way because it was a source of getting love, per se. Hmm. But at the expense, sacrifice and comp compromising the true nature of what I wasn't allowing myself to feel. So... This time, I didn't know how to say no. I was a yes man to everything. I was, quote unquote, the nice guy. I was, yeah, I was calm, measured. Everything looked okay. But on the inside, there was confusion. There was tons of disassociation. There was hesitation. There was lack. There was, it was just heavy energy. There was shame, shame and guilt. I had carried one in my psychology, which I was very aware of, but then being privy to right? And being aware of what was happening in my body, I noticed the existence of that. So I just got to a place where the price I was paying for the reward I was getting in remaining the rescuer, compromising, being calm, being seen as this cool and measured guy was just not worth it anymore. Right? You were willing to toss it all and give it all away to get an integrity with yourself. Yes. And that was if we're talking about being on brand, like that for me, my mission at the time that I, like I wanted to help people remember their power, but that also involved me knowing mine. Mm -hmm. And I knew my power on one side, but 
I completely had no regard or disrespected, even if it was unconscious, the power that was connected to the expression of my anger and my rage, right? That also needed a voice that I was not willing to give it, right? So after the session and the breath and the exploration, the curiosity of the breath in relation to my body, this is when I got, so I went to a silent meditation retreat. Might've been five years maybe six years ago. In LA, we used to go to Agape with Michael Bernard Beckwith. So he holds an annual silent meditation retreat. It was in Joshua Tree. So we went, great experience, right? Challenging, right? It wasn't really tough for me because I can be really good in coming back to myself. But at the end of the retreat and closing the retreat and the ceremony of the retreat, there was this man, this shaman from Peru who had a relationship with Michael who he'd known for years and, you know, he'd always come to a lot of their events and he was closing his ceremony. And just like you had that connection with Reina, there was something uh. that woke up in me. And I was like, okay. So they would set up the event where everyone was in the circle and then he'd go around him and his wife and his daughter. They're a family. They operate as a family. So he'd go to every individual. Every individual would come up. He'd cleanse you. And then he'd start to play his drum. And while he was playing his drum, literally, whatever it was that was a visceral response that woke up something that I had not been aware of, woke up. And I was like, this feels like something I've known before. Yeah. I get the sense that your calling was waking up. Yes. That's exactly what it was. I, I wasn't aware of it at the time, but again, curiosity. So we left that event, and for me, I was like, I need to stay in contact with this man. He also held the grandfather energy. So mm -hmm. it was like, for me, it was like, it was like reconnecting with that aspect, that father energy that I really didn't have growing up because my mom and father separated when I was like four. So I spent a lot of my life seeking for seeking myself and the masculine aspect and my connection to the masculine and my father outside of myself. So like seeing him being so grounded, him also being with his wife and his daughter was this representation of this energy that I also was seeking or looking to cultivate within myself. So I had reached out to him. He was still in town for a little bit and I had done, I went to go do some work with him. So I sat with him and he, we started talking and he started sharing like he was tapped in. He started sharing things that only God would know about me. Mm. And I'm like, okay, there's things I can learn. So we really started to cultivate that relationship. And he would come back. And this time when he was coming back, this is he was holding a Wachuma ceremony. So this was my introduction to the plant world, mm. right? The plant sacrament, the plant medicine world. And Wachuma, which is grandfather, which is the abuelo, which holds the masculine energy. I sat with that for the first time. And that was the night that I really got present to the shit that had to come out of me. I remember taking the first cup and <laughs> immediately this, this knot in my stomach started to how to pre present itself mm. and i was like okay again like i'm open so if this is what's meant to happen this is what's meant to happen an hour later two hours later because 
Huachuma, San Pedro, it's a long day. It's yeah. a 12 hour day. So two hours went by and it's still there. So I go up to him and I'm like, hey, listen, I'm feeling some resistance. Mm. Can you support? So he calls me, he's like, Hermano, come here. So he takes me to the side, right? You know, people are sitting around the fire, people are in their own experience, you know, all over the property. So he takes me to this patch of grass and he says, kneel down. So he starts to pray and he starts to, you know, support me in really grounding the medicine. And then he says, lay down. And he says, roll. And I start to roll. At first I was like, what do you mean roll? He's like, roll back and forth in the grass, roll back and forth in the grass. I think on the physical level, this was moving the medicine in me. And he started to roll. Then he says, give it all back to her. Give it to her. Let it go. And then I started rolling and then it hits. Mm. And what <laughs> proceeded was this, again, I didn't know this is what needed to come out, but it felt like it was the anger. It felt like it was the shame. It felt like it was all this suppression of energy that I had not given myself permission or had the environment to know how to release mm. started to come out. It came out in the form of not just tears, but weeping. Felt like my soul was crying. And this was the most difficult part of it. The more I tried to stop it, the more it would happen. Mm -hmm. The floodgates just opened. And I remember at one point feeling physically unable to control, mm -hmm. right, what was happening. And my ego, my mind was noticing that there are people around probably watching me, wondering what's going on. Why is he weeping like that? Like all this stuff that was happening in my head. And as it was happening, I was just sobbing and weeping and sobbing and weeping and sobbing and weeping. And it lasted for a good 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then it started to set. And then I was like, okay. Like this was this, again, this lever, this release of pressure that had mm -hmm. just happened over time. And yeah, that was one of the most pivotal moments in my life where I saw and realized, okay, there's still some work to be done around my heart and there's still some work to be done around, you know, what I have not or been with. Mm. Wow. I was really with you in that journey. You just <laughs> took us on. My, my own stomach was like, like it's like percolating. <laughs> like I'm in the watching yeah. space. Like yeah, it's, yeah, um, yeah. I could really feel. Yeah. Oh, the power of that opening for you, man. Okay. And so just commending you again for, because the place where you allowed yourself to lean in and open up to is the precise place that the majority of the population relentlessly stays hooked and locked. It's that willingness because yep. it because it kicks into your ego and your yep. identity and yep. your willingness to chuck all the self-imposed identities and labels yeah. and externally imposed because that's where it can get really tricky yep. is when you've got everyone around you who views you in a certain specific way yep. especially if that way is very fueling to your ego yes and fueling to theirs. And fueling to theirs. So he gets into that dance, that entanglement, mm -hmm. and you getting to a place where you were willing to let that all implode yeah. and explode to get into alignment. 
Good work, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Like I mentioned, it, it just, it got to a point where I just couldn't live with holding it in anymore. And I also felt there were- But a lot of, how many people on the planet get yeah. to that place and still go the yeah. whole rest of their lives clinging there? Well, I think, again, it's we talk about this nuance. There's so many layers to it. I, I think to, to speak to that, because I've been there and I work with a lot of people who are there, the fear of losing the illusion of control we think we have. And that night I was crying, I couldn't physically control, like there was no energy left to, to hold up the masks and the illusions and control myself to be a certain way. Mm -hmm. So the medicine supported me in like letting go. And I think there's a fear around that because if I do release control, I don't know what's on the other side of that with or without this identity I've clasped onto for such a long time. Mm -hmm. And the identity is rooted in not allowing ourselves to feel these things. So it's like I've now, I've walked around this time being perceived and perceiving myself in a certain way. If I finally allow myself to express and feel my anger, express and feel my shame, express and feel my sorrow, express and feel my pain, now who am I? And I think that is the fear. That's like getting to that bridge. It's like if I cross that, I've lived my life so long avoiding this, who will I be after I actually allow myself to meet it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I was right before you showed up today. I had just come off of being on someone else's podcast, The Love You Give, The Love You Spread. Mm. One of those two is really great. <laughs> He's amazing. Shout out to Justin, but um, great host. But I came down and was sitting on the couch, and it was just, you know, just like a flash yeah. insight that, that dropped in. And it was around a bit of this theme mm. of like, I get because I was once that person who lived in denial. Yep. And I mean, I know that denial is the biggest one. I know that route <laughs> lived very deeply for a very long time. That's what caused my divine intervention because I was so entrenched in that way. And so I am the first to have empathy and compassion yeah. for those that feel the mm -hmm. grip, are mm -hmm. locked into the grips. And yet, like, mm -hmm. having now been living on this other side <laughs> for a long time now, you know, it was just like this thought, and it's not groundbreaking, but, you know, they just come in when they're supposed, when they're supposed to come in, it, around, like, I know that a lot of what we teach and guide and facilitate, it's, I think, by the majority of population. Yep. It's not looked at as fun. It's not flashy. It's yes. not really that enticing on a lot of levels. Yes. And yeah, it can be titled as the work, spiritual work, inner work. And yes, it is freaking work. And yeah, a lot of times you're going to the most uncomfortable places mm -hmm. that you've ever gone to. And it's precisely in 
doing that opens you up into the greatest fun, glory, liberation, miracles, fulfillment, and peace beyond what your Mm -hmm. mind could ever imagine. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I guess this is just an invitation for anyone joining us who's feeling a resonance with any thread of what we've been talking about. Another invitation, I'm opening the doorknob (laughs) The door is open Mm. and I'm, you know, with a smile inviting you in if you've been feeling the call because, yes, it's initiatory. Mm -hmm. Yes, it can be fiery. Yes, it can bring up a lot of fears. But, wow, like the worlds that open up through doing that work, it's, I mean, it's so worth it. Yeah. Hey fam, popping in here super quick to remind you that my best-selling Animal Power book and card deck are both available and out now. Animal Power book is 100 animals to energize your life and awaken your soul. It's a deluxe compendium of power animals. So anytime you dream of an animal or have an animal continuously crossing your path and you're wondering why is this animal showing up so much for me, just pop into my beautiful book that also has a gorgeous full-page color illustration of each animal to learn its wisdom teachings and meanings so you can more deeply understand why that animal showed up in your life. An animal power deck is super fun to work with. You can pull a random card to see what animal has a message for you that day or ask the deck a specific question to see what clarity might reveal. Both animal power book and deck are available everywhere books are sold. The book has been the number one new release in shamanism and many other categories. You can also get them from my website. And when you visit there, allisoncharles.com backslash animal power that's a-l-y-s-o-n allisoncharles.com backslash animal power you'll also receive a free video drumming shamanic journey that i personally guide where you can meet your current power animal i appreciate your support so much and now back to today's show the reality is at least in my experience, for a lot of it, it was uncomfortable. But it was only uncomfortable because of my relationship to it. I'm also going to be a voice for sharing that it doesn't have to be that way. Yes. Right? You know, one of my favorite teachers are you know, plants. I look at this, these beautiful trees that you have outside your window, right? When they're growing, it doesn't look painful. So I'm also a voice for sharing that growth doesn't need to be painful in every regard. That's a lesson that I'm actively integrating right now mm. because a lot of my life I conditioned, right, based on the environments I grew up in, I conditioned myself, I conditioned my nervous system to look for stress, to look for ways to suffer, right? So for me, if it wasn't guttural, if I didn't suffer, that it didn't mean anything. So I'm also dancing with the other side of the conversation knowing that it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be guttural. There are times for that, absolutely, which if anyone knows, I know through personal experience, but there is another side as well that doesn't have to be that. And I also feel it speaks to, for those who are listening, the opportunity to give ourselves the permission to be human. Yes. I love preaching that every day. I think our human. Once we allow the humanity, we also see that hu- being human 
is spiritual. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's all part of it. So I was sitting one day (laughs) and I got this message of creating spaces, not just for myself, but for people to allow their humanity to breathe. Yes. I even feel the breath as you said that. Yeah. So I think what started this conversation and like when people feel the anger or the rage or the joy or the freedom or the laughter is can you, if you don't have one already, cultivate an environment or immerse yourself in one that can allow that aspect of your humanity to breathe. I think the more we do that, it reinforces the belief that we're meant to be here. And when I say here, I mean present. And presence also means being in our bodies, right? So there's this conversation or there's this process or there's this journey of remembering what it is to be human. I know there are many things that have fed my inability to be human. Mm-hmm. What I experienced growing up had me check out of my body, right? Like physically what I experienced. So the last thing I wanted to do was be in a place that I disassociated from because I carried shame about my own self. So now like this allowing my humanity to breathe, coming back into relation with my emotions, being with what I avoided, dancing with this duality of both sides of what makes me human, essentially the relation with wholeness with myself is also the invitation to be with the parts that I didn't allow myself because of the conversation I carried about myself. So it's this coming back home, coming back to your humanity. And I always say, if we weren't meant to be human, we if we're not meant to be human, if we're not supposed to be in these bodies, if we're not meant to be here, we wouldn't be human mm-hmm. and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Did any of those arrival points that you just shared, did they come in more clearly in your time down in the jungles? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm, the jungle. <laughs> Speaking of wild, it's going to go down as one of the most powerful experiences of my life. Just being in the environment of the jungle is medicine itself. Mm-hmm. There's just a different rhythm out there. It's a different pace. You have no choice but to sync with nature. Like for me, what I felt was like, I either got on rhythm or I was going to be left. Mm-hmm. Right? And I got really present to how in ways that I thought I was connected to myself, I got really present to how disconnected I was to myself when there weren't as many distractions around, Mm -hmm. when there was nothing but purity and rawness around. And that was like, because I'm in that environment of seeing nature in its purity, in its like raw form. And such fullness too. So full. That was the mirror that I had. So I had no choice but to see myself in relation to my environment. Mm. So I got really like present to like the fears that I didn't even know I had because I was in nature. I mean, (laughs) hearing certain sounds that I'm not used to every day, right? Seeing certain things that I'm not used to every day really put, at first, it had me on guard, Mm -hmm. right? Like everything came up, everything came to the surface. But then as time passed by, I got more and more grounded in realizing that I'm in a territory that 
wasn't mine, that wasn't mine simply because I hadn't had enough time with it yet. But the more time I spent there, I started to feel this connection with it. So what would scare me wouldn't have as much power over me because mm-hmm. I would ground myself more in it. I integrated myself in the pace of nature. Definitely, I went out there for a dieta. Mm-hmm. So with the plants in a different way in that environment was another powerful way to get into my body and relate to myself and my humanity. Like I shared, many fears that I was unaware of came up. And also, <sighs> I was unconsciously holding resentment that I didn't know about. Mm, that's a strong one. So I might have been, so I was there, I was in the jungle for a total of 16 days. 14 days was on diet. And I think maybe halfway through, I had a conversation with, you know, one of the mentors and facilitators, and we were just kind of reflecting over the last few days. And for me, you know, a process like that is one of the intentions to connect, Uh not just to nature, but to the divine, to source, to connect. And over my life, you know, my spirituality is a big pillar for me. It's one thing I prioritize. Like, my connection to God is a big deal for me. But on the back end, I've always felt this challenge with not having this clear connection. There would always be this need to force or feel be this. I'd always feel like I couldn't, I couldn't, like... Mm my Wi-Fi was interrupted. And I always find myself having to go back and like, man, like what's going on? So I was having this conversation with, you know, a mentor of mine. And I never (laughs) hear anyone reflect this back to me. And he knows about my situation with my father. And I had one of the biggest clearing conversations with my dad last year, which opened up a lot for me personally, because it also had to do with how I related to myself as a man. And he was sharing, he was like, so in resenting your father, so just to kind of context, when my dad and my mom separated, when he was about to leave, I was about four and a half years old. And I remember saying these words to him, if you leave, I'm going to hate you. Mm -hmm. I'm four years old. I'm like, what do I know about hate? But those are the words that came out. If you leave, I am going to hate you. But that was my way of trying to, I didn't really want him to leave. That was my desperate way of having him stay. So I essentially, I just wanted him to stay, but the only way a four-year-old, my four-year-old at the time could come up was to threaten him. If you leave, I'm going to hate you. So him still leaving created a belief that, oh, I misunderstood, right? If I say what I mean, I mean, I'm misunderstood. I'm not heard. People leave me, right? So... I start to reinforce the belief, and now I had resentment built up towards my father. And he knew this, and he was like, what if in resenting your father, you also resented Father God? And I started losing it. Mm. Like, I started losing it. Like, I'm feeling it right now. Mm. And in that moment, I felt so much truth in that because... That was why I was having a tough connection or a tough time connecting because I was still holding unconscious resentment towards God. At a young age, obviously, like my father is the first impression of a man, right? 
father. And him leaving broke the trust. So beyond my father is Father God. So in not trusting my father and having resentment to my father, simultaneously, I didn't trust God or have, mm. have resentment towards God. So I go on this journey throughout my life knowing that I'm supported. There's, without a shadow of a doubt, I know there's something bigger than me guiding me. I would not be here without it. Like, it's there. But I'm realizing how much of a concept it was. I couldn't really get to a place where I felt it. Like, walking out there so confident that this thing is here. And I realized in that moment, it was because I had resentment towards Father God. So that was also a process that helped me realize the ways that I had been holding energy in my body, right, in the form of resentment towards the energy that I've been seeking to connect with so deeply to be guided and directed and be led and be, you know, to, to have mm -hmm. me walk the steps, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, yes. there's been this deep search for what is my purpose? What is my purpose? What is my purpose? And I'm looking for the what, not realizing that I've been walking it the whole time. And I couldn't see it because I didn't want to see it because I had this energy of resentment towards it. I couldn't trust to see. So being in the jungle without the distractions, without the other voices, without the other mirrors that, that reinforce this doubt in myself had me really clear on where I was breaking the own connection, the connection I was looking for. Mm. Yeah. Oof. Thank you for sharing mm. that. Wow. That was a big trip. Yeah. It was big when he shared that with me. I mean, that's, that's the kind of work where you're forever changed. All, everything yeah. is forever changed. When you go to a place like that, that's some big, big stuff right there. And that night, my intention now became not to work to connect with the divine, but to rest in the divine. Mm. To mm. rest in the divine, which is connected to my relationship with receiving and being held. So there is this aspect of myself that, that needs to fight, that needs... The warrior. I'm connected to the warrior. Like, that's easy for me. Yeah, that's me. not a foreign archetype. Right. That is an easy archetype for me to embody. Easy. But then to allow myself to receive and rest, that was where my true work was. So that night when I, oh my gosh, one of the most powerful nights in the jungle for me that night. Ooh. Yeah. Rest in the arms of the divine. Mm -hmm. Receive. In the arms of the divine. Wow, that feels really good for you, Samson. Mm. And I understand, you know, that's been a lot of my work lately as well. And this kind of takes me into, I wanted, you know, we don't have to spend a lot of time in this next topic, but I was just curious, you and I, since we met and became friends, we've chatted, you know, at least a couple of times about... How do I put this into words here? Callings and titles and <laughs> labels, labels, especially, you yeah. know, in the spiritual mm. world. And yeah, I was just curious where you're at with all of that, your mm. thoughts on being seen more and more as a quote unquote spiritual guy. You know, you've got this background in 
physical fitness and like physicality, you know, and probably also in like the, you know, the mental mind capacity states as well. But you've clearly been led for a long time now into the spiritual realms and the cosmic spaces too. So yeah, with (laughs) your recent ceremonial times (laughs) and with your calling emerging more and more, where are you at with some of those places? I think the biggest thing I could share presently is I'm still evolving with allowing for the simple reason of, and I can understand the need to have to hold a title or a label so it can create ease around truly helping people identify what you do in your role. But I think the other conversation is not allowing my ego to get caught up in the title. And also simply because, let's say, for instance, healer. It's a title that gets thrown around a lot, right? And, you know, I respect anybody that feels to call themselves that. But for me, because I hold such a, I hold such a standard and a regard and perspective in knowing people have what they need, I realize that my job is just to help people remember that. So in a sense, I'm not doing any of the healing. Mm -hmm. I'm just a mirror and a co-creator of environments to help people do it themselves. Ultimately, every space that I've stepped into with a guide or a healer, at the end of the day, I still had to choose to go, right? Like you were talking about that point. I still had to get up and go to my friend who's the shaman and say, I'm feeling resistance, Mm -hmm. right? So ultimately, I had to choose to do the work, to heal, right? Now, I'm not saying, and it's funny, I'm actually going to keep it on him. I actually asked him this conversation because there were, for the longest, there, there are people in my life who related to me as a shaman. And I remember first hearing that, and I was like, no. And obviously, I had my own perspective and thoughts and images of that. I'm a researcher by nature. I'm an investigator by nature. So I'm looking up what a shaman is, and I'm like, no, there's no way. But because of how I related to it, it disconnected to me from what people felt presently. Now, growing up in the West African culture, that's... It's not foreign to me that the idea of the medicine man, medicine woman is not foreign at all. But I also was in a place where the belief in myself was not nowhere near in a position to even own and accept that. So as time has gone, as my journey has led me through certain rabbits, rabbit holes, certain spaces, more and more I'm feeling the call to own that, but not the title of it, but the actual nature of how I feel I'm designed in this lifetime. Mm -hmm. So when I was talking to Wachan, and I was like, people have called me this. And he said, Hermano, he said, don't get too caught up in the name. He said, at the end of the day, is your connection to the work you're here to do? He said, yeah, people call me a shaman, but it was the people that named me. And ever since that time, I realized it's not about me naming myself. I allow people to do that. And more and more, right, the more I stay committed, the more I keep my heart in the work I'm here to do, it just reveals itself. Mm -hmm. 
it's like, oh, I see it. I see it now. But it's not me calling myself that. It's the people I'm working with. It's nature. It's the mirrors reflecting back to me, mm. right, the work that I'm doing. So will I ever get to a point? If it helps people understand better what I do, maybe. But now I'm just, I'm just so mm. caught up in the work, the actual thing, not to be so concerned with the label and title for now. Yeah. Right. And I think there's a more, there's a beingness more to the actual label. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm more focused on. Yeah, that's great. I think it's really healthy. And, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I, of all the possible routes of exploring or arriving to yeah. using certain titles, names, whatever, the, the way you're going about it would probably be at the top of my list of most recommended mm ways to traverse and peel and sniff and close back up and then walk and then, you know, just examining until, until if, and when you reach really true arrival point. Yeah. That's literally been my experience. I just feel like there's so many hats that I wear that there isn't one. So it's like, again, someone asked me what I did. It's been such a difficult question to to answer because there's so many things. And this was a little bit ago. And I said, whatever is needed in the moment. So like, that's also, and I don't know what you call that person, right? But there's this theme, there's this consistency in being in the presence of someone else and feeling them and then being able to prescribe or being able to create or being able to co-create with them what's needed for them in the moment. Mm -hmm. I mean, it sounds like a medicine man who prescribed, but you know, <laughs> that's just the shaman over here just okay. saying things. But it's hilarious because on, you know, these two pieces of paper that I have here, potential places to flow with you, I thought, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm always open. You know, we mm-hmm. spoke a prayer before I pressed record, you know, to just be the conduit and I live in that surrender space. But the vast majority of what was on here was breathwork. And we really haven't talked about <laughs> breathwork at all. And so it's just like perfect in yep. case in point to exactly what you just yep. said. You know, like I thought like, oh, you know, we dabbled in breathwork when I had DJ Shiva yep. Rasa on. And, you know, that's an area that so many people are exploring. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of important stuff that needs to be Absolutely. spoken about to that. And I was like, ah, Samson's the guy. And like, we didn't do talk. not once and we've been talking for a, over an hour and I need to like be mindful of your time and no, wrap up. Great. And I'm like, we didn't even get to it's the great. basics. Look, breathwork, basics, it, types of breathwork, advice great. for beginning, like no breathwork talk it's really great. at all. That's literally what today needed. Yeah. But damn, I might have to have you come back on because sure. I really want like, you know, a really trusted breathwork guide because again, you know, it's as the little dabble we did go into. I mean, it's so profound and can be so massive, so powerful, you know, and I just think there are some like entry level, really important things that people, you know, should be aware of. And there's so many different types of breathwork, so many different perspectives. So I don't know, I might have to have you back. (laughs) Uh, I mean, cause I'm just like even looking at the breath work because I saw, I don't know if you and Stephanos ended up doing that breath work for the feminine workshop. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Oh, okay. we're, we're, There's just been a lot in the pipeline, but okay. yeah, it's, there's, the conversation is still lit. Because so. that felt when I saw that somewhere online, I was like, oh, that sounds really important to have two mm. male breathwork facilitators 
have a container specifically for the feminine. And I mean, I'll just touch on, because this was on your guys's event page, some of the potential breathwork benefits for this type yeah. of container. If you wish to rewrite and your relationship with the masculine, mm. if you have been hurt in the past and are wanting to heal pain, mm. patterns of resentment you're desiring to move through, stuck emotions you want to shift, empower yourself with your own ability to heal, mm. experience more freedom in your mind, body, heart, experience greater intimacy, connection, trust with the masculine and within yes, yourself. Yes. I mean, it's like the list can go on and on. And this would just be like examples of this one breathwork container. So, I mean, I guess before we go into, and I don't know if you have a closing ritual or practice that you want to share as we, you know, we get to the closing <laughs> part, but, and I know it's tough to like open up the gateway of breathwork and then shut it right away. But is there anything that wants, is wanting to come through in regard to breathwork? So we definitely get to have another conversation because it's a, it's another world. I'll be doing this a disservice to explaining in a few moments or minutes the power of what the breath means to our well-being, our health, our state, the relationship it has to our nervous system. It's essentially considered the remote control to our nervous system. I'm sure you've heard breath is life, life is breath. So there's just so much to this, what I like to call an asset, but an asset to where majority of people are so unaware of, consciously. For me, the breath is one of the best tools to get present, right? When there's an experience of anxiety or experience of depression, simply coming back to your breath allows you to come back to the present because anxiety is oftentimes in the future. Depression is oftentimes in the past. So the breath can be used to really ground yourself in the present to actually affect or do something to create change. The breath is powerful for being able to free and release stuck emotions in the body, um, which is connected to how we relate to everything. Like when we talk about breath is also the connection to relating. Right? It's like it, I heard someone ask, like, you know, the main benefits of the nervous system. I didn't come up with this, but just hearing it, I want to like kind of use it to reinforce power of our breath and someone was talking about i forgot who it was but they were sharing the role they asked okay so what do you think the main role of the nervous system is and they mentioned it's relating mm. right often we walk around and our nervous system is literally like mm -hmm. taking in it's relating it's like we're an antenna yes right so everywhere we walk right we're relating we relate to everything but the relationship we have with ourselves and in relation to our environment and everything is also connected to how we're breathing. Mm -hmm. So that's how much power the breath holds. And, you know, if I can leave people with something, because, you know, I don't want to get into certain protocols because it's not the protocol, the type of breath that you do. There's so much... There's so much attention to, okay, what kind of breath can I do to do this? Mouth closed, mouth shut. Yeah. All that has a time and Four place. Four count breath. <laughs> there's so much, yeah. right? And it's it, there's going to be more. There's so much to it. But people ask me, what is the most one of the most powerful ways I can breathe? And I'm like, the way you normally would breathe. Mm. 
right? Because that is what we do on a daily basis. So the first thing I can share is bringing awareness to what your breath is doing in the present. Like, mm. how so are you? Let's submit. Yes. Can we do that? Absolutely. Okay. So yeah. I feel like it would be good for me. This is actually, this could actually be part of the ritual. So this is what I do. I call this, it's a daily check-in that I do. And I just get to a place where I close my eyes. Sometimes I do with my eyes open. And I just check in. One of the questions I ask is, what is alive or here for me right now? Keep allowing my thoughts to circulate and do what they do without engaging, without judging them, without even seeking to get to a certain place in this process. All I want to do now is just notice as I connect deeper and deeper to being present here and now. So what is alive for me? What is here for me right now? Are there any sensations? that are currently alive? Is there any tension that I'm carrying in my body? Is there any pain that's showing itself? Again, without judgment, without manipulation, without seeking for it to be any other way than it is, I just want to notice. Next, we just want to notice our breath. Notice how our breath is behaving right now. How's the pace of the breath? Where are we breathing? What part of the body is the breath in? Is the breath shallow? Is the breath deep? Is the breath narrow? Is it wide? Does the breath feel contractive? Does the breath feel expansive? This is even a regard of the inhale and the exhale. And how we're breathing is often related to how we're feeling and vice versa. Next, we're going to just connect with the breath where it is. Almost like jumping in the passenger side of a moving car. And all we're doing is riding along. When you feel connected in unison with it, we're going to drop our breath as low as we can. Keep dropping it lower and lower. Filling up the lungs. and filling up the diaphragm or your belly. 
And if there's a challenging time or a difficult time with this, you could just choose to place a hand, your right hand on your belly. Just to support in directing the energy there and the breath there. And where we want the breath is right below our belly buttons. Inhale through the nose. Exhale out the nose. 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 Now we're going to pick up the breath, rising it from the belly to the chest. Inhale into the belly. Up to the chest. Out the mouth. Into the belly. Up to the chest. Out the mouth. One more of those. In the belly. Up to the chest. Out the mouth. Next, we're going to inhale all the way up to the head and hold and squeeze through the head. Inhale. Squeeze through the head and hold. Out with the big sigh. And all the way up. Hold and squeeze. Out with the big sigh. Last one. In all the way up. Hold and squeeze. Keep squeezing through your head. Squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. Three, two, one. Out with the big sigh. Mm. Return to your normal way of breathing. You can take your left hand and place it on your heart. Just keep noticing now how your body has responded to the few breaths we just did and how you're breathing now normally in relation to how you're currently feeling. One more check-in to see what is alive for you right now. What is here for you right now? Whenever you feel ready, and open your eyes. <laughs> I feel like one of those ASMR people. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I felt clarified and then mm. arrival and at home. Mm. Those were like the three. Essences. Powerful. Powerful. That's, I mean, that's the power of the breath. Um, yeah. I mean, we could definitely have a different conversation because there's just so many yeah. layers to go through. I know. Well, yeah. that was beautiful. Thank you for facilitating that. <laughs> so if anyone feels called to work with you, not knowing what you exactly do <laughs> or who you exactly are, but they just feel because you do, you do seem to have, and it's not contrived at all. It's not like you set out to do this. It's just like innate, but you have this like innate magnetism, you know? So I think that if you were, you know, to continue to go without ever feeling called to utilize or align with a certain title, you, in my opinion, are the kind of person who could get away with that. Just your makeup, your, you know, your texture of who you are. Cause it's like when I did some research, you know, you've just been on like a real array of types of shows. It's like none of it really makes it makes sense but mm -hmm. it doesn't you yeah. know it's like oh so he was on that kind of show but also that one but I also feel called to have him on mine <laughs> and I know he used to do this and I still see videos on Instagram that he's in the gym but I see Samson as a medicine it's just like <laughs> you know it's this whole mm. magnetizing amalgam of mm. things how can folks best connect with you and find oh, beautiful you? yes my website samsonodusanya.com also very alive and present on Instagram, Samson's underscore strength. Send me a message on there. Uh, we can connect and, you know, if, if it's in the stars <laughs> to support and work with you, yeah, so be it. But yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So great. Mm -hmm. This is so nice. <laughs> so good. So good to be here. Yeah. 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 Likewise. Thank you. Thanks for, for having me on. Appreciate mm -hmm. you. I appreciate mm -hmm. you too. You know that. So yes, fam, you guys know Every Tuesday when the new episode drops, you'll find my guests, you'll find Samson's, you know, all of his links and connection to his Instagram and my Instagram post, and also in the show notes on my website, there's really in-depth links and all of the contact information will be there as well. So don't fear if you didn't have a pen or a piece of paper, you can just go to allisoncharles.com or go to my Instagram and you will find your way to Samson. See if there's just any last little closing <laughs> yes. button trying to button its way in here. Bink. Um, yeah, it's just taking me to the glory of exploration, which it was the river that we were on today, which I'm grateful for. Just we both just were willing to jump into the canoe and let the divine river just <laughs> take us yes. take us on down yes, on yes. down the way here yes. so thank you for floating down the river of the divine with us and sending you so much love and hopeful healthy integration and embodiment for wherever you're at and whatever you are currently facing or working on and we will sit with you again next time take care Woo-wee, what a powerful voyage that was. It is always so fun and such an honor to share space with these beautiful beings willing to generously share their time, wisdom, and energy so we can have the opportunity to enrich our own lives. 
And we will always share each epic guest's links and contact info in the show notes that are on my website, alisoncharles.com, and also in my weekly Ceremony Circle podcast Instagram posts at I am Allison Charles. So it makes it easy for you to connect more deeply with them. And fam, you know by now all the heart I put into creating this show. And I would love to be able to continue providing this free content for a long, long time to come. And what would be most supportive in me being able to do that is if you have ever felt you've gained anything positive at all from listening to a Ceremony Circle podcast episode, if it's brightened your day, if it's given you clarity or insights you've been waiting for, if you felt a healing shift during one of the closing ceremony practices, anything at all, If you can just stay on whatever platform you're now listening to this show and simply go to the rating and review section and share even one reason why you're grateful for Ceremony Circle Podcast. Sacred reciprocity is a big deal and I deeply appreciate you giving back to me so I can keep creating and providing. Sending you so much love. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and my intention is not to provide medical advice or diagnosis. You should always consult a health professional before making drastic changes to your diet or lifestyle.